the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We are back, and you're listening to Ion Real Estate. I'm Dottie Herman, and as I told you before, uh, we have a special guest coming on that is a, a friend, but I'm also honored to know him, a developer, Don Peoples. He is the chairman and chief executive officer of the Peoples Corporation, the largest African-American-owned real estate development and ownership company in the United States, with a multi-billion dollar development portfolio of luxury hotels, high-rise residential and commercial properties in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Miami Beach. Black Enterprise Magazine named People as one of the business trailblazers and titans of Black America and one of the 40 most powerful African Americans in business. And he's a friend and a great human being on top of all of those accomplishments. Um, I know we want to finish up with Steve, so I'll be with Don in two seconds. Steve, you just want to finish up what you were talking about right before the break, and then Don will be here. Yeah, so just on the capital plan. So, again, in New York, um, there's no law that requires it. Some other states do. So if you're coming in from out of state looking to buy, that would be something. And basically, that does not mean that property manager in the building does not really look in and make sure that everything is in order. And it really boils down to having a, uh, an attorney who not only understands the law, but understands the economics. You can't just say the building has a plunk of money in reserve or that their revenue is greater than their expenditures. Um, you really need to see what they're spending their money on. Are there line items that are really out of alignment? Um, are they being overcharged? Um, and then also to make sure, what is the real state of affairs to make sure that they, when an event does happen where they may need to replace a boiler, replace a roof, that they have the ability, whether it's through reserves, assessments, or tapping credit lines, that they can pay for that appropriately. And that's part of what we look at. And as a double check, I will say in the background, the banks look at it too. And there's something when you get a mortgage called project approval where even if you're a highly qualified buyer, they also want to make sure that the building that they're lending in is well-run and well-managed and in good order. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you. And now I'm thrilled to have him, Don Peoples. How are you, Don? Good, Dottie. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I'm good. I'm doing, you know, I'm dealing with this all, as we all are. And it's been, I don't want to say it's been easy, but life throws a lot of punches your way, and you just have to navigate through them. But I, I, I think it's everything is going to start to come back. Now you are 
as I said, I know you for a lot of years and you are such an accomplished person and you have a lot of real estate holdings all over. What are you seeing and how do you see, you know, the city, my everything coming back? How do you see this, you know, from your eyes? Well, I think that uh, if we look at New York City, um, we're finishing up a project in Manhattan. And what you're seeing in New York City, and we've been seeing for the last year or so, has been a decline in the ultra-luxury condo market. There's been, of course, an oversupply of product going on the market and a declining demand after the state and local um, in, uh, tax uh, deduction uh, removal, um, and that has been forcing many high uh, net worth and high income earners to the degree they can to move south to Florida or other places that are more tax friendly. Um, and uh, recently, as a result of COVID, we have more Manhattanites and New York City residents moving out to Long Island and Westchester uh, and Connecticut. And so what I see as a trend, I think, for the um, you know, next um, 18 months to two years is an increasing uh, demand for um, properties in the tri-state area outside of New York City. I think that Long Island is poised for... Uh, significant growth. Westchester, which had slowed down, um, has sped up rapidly, and a lot of unsold inventories being sold. And then, of course, Greenwich, Connecticut, for example, which was amongst the worst ultra-luxury housing markets in the country, has now picked up. So I think that we're going to see much more robust activity as people start pursuing uh, more quality-of-life living uh, conditions. Yes, absolutely. We have offices there in Long Island and, and, and Greenwich. I actually have somebody who works with Douglas Elvin stopping here after she happens to be out here. And she said, Dottie, we've never been so busy because, as Don said, Connecticut really didn't, when everything was growing, Connecticut kind of lacked behind everything. But you know what, Don? I also think that that is absolutely what I see happening. But I also think that the trend where people can work from home a little bit more also adds to helping that. Because if you don't have to go to the office every single day, you could really go out further or, or be in like the outskirts of the city or the suburbs of the city. So we see a big plus for that. Um, and we also see that, you know, we saw this trend, as you said, before the virus where, you know, people started exiting because of the taxes. So I try to urge everyone, you know, people want to, will pay more, but, you know, you can only get to a certain point before it's too much so um we'll have to see what happens however that also brings opportunities if you are buying in the high end i would think because you probably might get better prices um i don't think i think you know new york you know people ask me and don i'm curious with big cities and of course new york city got really hit pretty hard with the virus uh, will it come back and you know again my thoughts on that, I've lived through 9-11, I've lived through 2007 and the 2008 financial crisis, and I, there was a financial crisis before 9-11, and it takes a couple of years, but it eventually comes back. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you make a very good point, uh, Dottie, in terms of uh, buyers and, uh, you know, and, and, and human beings in general have a short memory. Uh, after 9-11, I think that there was a consensus almost that there would be, uh, you know, no one would be uh, 
having offices in lower Manhattan or live in lower Manhattan, and people were moving out of the city and moving out of the ultra uh, tall buildings, both office buildings and residential buildings. And, uh, and then you now you fast forward to this last market cycle and you look at the top performing buildings. They've all been, in terms of luxury residential, they've all been ultra high, ta- ultra tall skyscraper buildings. And there's been massive redevelopment in office buildings in lower Manhattan. Now, part of that is because you had a mayor who was a business person who actually right. knew how to run things and he incentivized, um, you know, development in, in lower Manhattan and attracted businesses to come back. And what he did is um, he did a short-term tax raise and then bring people back. Here, I think in this case with the, the coronavirus, we're going to need to have a vaccine or an effective cure. Once that happens, I believe you will see people you know, who ha- were leaving Manhattan for that purpose to look at coming back. But I think that the quality of life issues of New York and the tax burden of New York are making New York unattractive. And technology has made um, the country a much more competitive environment geographically. So no more can New York say, hey, we're New York City. We're the biggest city in the world. We're the most entrepreneurial city, um, biggest American city. And here you got to come here because this is the only place to be. I think people can come and visit and not live there. And I think that's the challenge. And then we have, you know, most, many companies, including mine, were resistant to having remote working, you know, consistently. But this virus forced us all, and the close down forced us all to learn how to do that. And with the exception of limited ability to visit our projects, we haven't missed a beat. And the departments in our company that I thought would be the most problematic, like finance and accounting, um, right. have worked through it and don't miss a beat. Well, you so know, I, I think, think that, I, I think that's a threat for us. Like you said, technology is going to be a bigger threat. Right. And, well, I, you know, I think we were all forced. Okay. So, you know, I think a trend that might, I, I, I think could happen is if you had office space in the city and you employed X amount of people, whether they be a lot or, you know, a large amount or small amount, you might not want, you might say, well, you know what? I managed this long without setting a foot into the office space. Maybe I need some still, but I might not need it all. I think that that might change. And also that will help people that are thinking of moving outside the city, be able to make, you know, not have to commute every single day. So I think there's a lot of trends, and I think there's a lot of changes. I think, I, I think 9/11, and and you know this is just my opinion. 9/11 obviously changed a lot of things, uh, but other than the fact that, you know, initially I think I said last week I used to get nervous when I was driving through the tunnel, and we were not used to having our bags checked and everything checked before you walked into an office building. But eventually it came back and it came back bigger and better. But as you said, we had somebody who understood business. And so I hope we get someone that does because um, it's going to take a while. But I do count on New York and the people in it. Uh, They're fighters and they have strength and they're, you know, and they've been through this a couple of times. So I think it'll take some time, but I do think eventually we'll come back. And just like I was talking to somebody who's a big producer in the theater. And I said, what do you think about theater? When do you think that's going to come back? Because part of the law for New York City is the theater, the arts. Uh, 
museums. And she said to me, well, she said, we want to be very safe because besides for social distancing and, and that the theater would have to, you know, limit how many people see a play, they have to be very concerned about all the the staff, the actors, the actresses, and their feeling was that if one person got sick, that would be, would really put theater at a Broadway at a, a real disadvantage and people would be afraid to go for it. So they're going to take their time and they'd rather be at a little bit longer, but make sure it's safe. And as you said, because I even asked my doctor and he said, you know what, you will be safe when there's a vaccine for the virus. So I... You know, I hope that comes soon, but, uh, you know, again, <laughs> nobody really knows for sure. So what advice would you give people, Don, now? You know, you're such a brilliant man, like, because where there's, where, there, where you know, there's always opportunities somewhere. I, I always say, you know, you just have to find where they are. Uh, so what would you say, would you, you know, to people, whether you're uh, just a person looking to buy, whether you're a developer, I mean, Things are still selling in the city. Uh, what do you think about forwardness? Do you think that event, it'll take about two or three years and then things will come back and there'll be a resurgence in cities? And do you think it's just New York City or do you think it's all big major cities that you might see a little slowdown in? Well, well I think you'll see a slowdown in other more densely populated cities, New York being the most dense. However, look, New York will come back. We will. There will be a vaccine um, cre- created uh, that will will vaccinate us and protect us against the coronavirus. We're also going to be able to have treatments, and they're going to. There are already treatments that are somewhat effective, and there will be more treatments that will be effective. And so, ultimately, people will be able to resume their life. And I think, and of course, New York City. You can never count New York City out. It's always going to be one of the most important dynamic cities in the world. And so I think that what will happen, though, is people will live differently. I think New York is going to have a difficult time uh, for the foreseeable future just financially because of the impact Mm -hmm. of the coronavirus and the decline in population. And I think that they will have to make some tough choices. And the city will have to work through that. So there are going to be some quality of life issues. But I think that people will look at New York differently. I think the big apartments, the big condos, the big apartments, I think you'll see fewer of those. Those will decline in value um, because people will look at getting a smaller apartment in Manhattan or New York City, Brooklyn and the like, and then have a larger home in Westchester, Long Island, Connecticut, and they'll remote work because there's this change in how we work now. It's right. going to allow people to have a much better quality of life, and then they don't need to be in the city five days a week, seven days a week. They'll come into the city once a week, twice a week max. And over time, that's going to make New York more livable because you won't have all this congestion, all this traffic. And, and so I think that that's going to be the shift. But I think now is a good time, and I think we're going to, over this next, throughout this year, there will be a good, this will be a good time to buy in New York City, especially um, right. to buy new construction, because developers are under tremendous pressure to sell their inventory. So they're being very competitive now. And that's a good point. I said there's always opportunity. It's just in different times and different markets you have to have. There's different opportunities. And I've said this on the show a million times. When everybody's buying something and everybody's 
that's not when you get the best deals. You get the best deals actually when no one's buying or when less people are buying. So I think it's a very good time if you are in the market and you're not looking to flip something in a day because that doesn't happen so easily anymore. If it's because I think real estate is a long-term investment, and I think it is a very good time to buy. Uh, and with interest rates, as it's almost like free money. I mean, I, I think they're they're we're at almost historically low interest rates, so that's another good uh, point. And Don, we're, we're supposed to reopen. Now you have buildings in Manhattan. We're supposed to reopen soon, like next week. Yeah, well, I think we're already we're we're going to go there's phase 1 and then ultimately assuming everything goes well, we're going to phase 2 in about a week and then we'll gradually reopen. And I mean the and the hope is is that we can reopen on a gradual basis, uh allow science to catch up and hopefully come up with some effective treatments and hopefully a vaccine, but we've got to get I mean New York and the country cannot afford to be closed much longer because of the financial, uh, you know, impact that it's having. I mean, New York City and New York State are confronting, you know, massive deficits and and are having to make draconian cuts in services. And the key is going to be what are those, you know, cuts going to be. But I think yes. New York want, New Yorkers are workers. New Yorkers are doers. And so New Yorkers want to get back to work. And so I think that, you know, we're going to see – you know, a constant wave of that. And also, I think New Yorkers are disciplined. If anything, we learned from 9-11 is that we can band, New Yorkers band together. Uh, they work together and they, you know, they're tough and they stick things out and get the job done. And I think we're going to see, you know, a, an ability to work together and operate um, responsibly for the most part and, uh, you know, resume our economy. Right. I think that's true. And, I, and I, I'm sure you, you obviously having real estate there, see, uh, this was again before the virus that I just the virus kind of maybe just expedited it, but there were many people who had a foot off the door, foot out the door, and were going to warmer climates in like Florida, things of that nature, and also because of the taxes. Uh, and I think that's going to continue. I mean, I think Florida is going to see a big boom parts from from a lot of uh, New Yorkers. I mean, do you see that? I mean, obviously, I, I think that's not going to that's going to continue. Yes, I agree with you. In fact, um, I'm in Florida right now, and we are we we had we haven't done a, a new development project in Florida in several years, and now we're looking at new development. But one of the other things we're doing is we're in the process of buying existing homes and home sites, and we're looking to scale up a single family business. Um, wow. the home business in South Florida, which would be Palm Beach, Broward, um, and Miami-Dade counties, uh, because we think that many more New Yorkers and, and, and residents from the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest who are seeking quality of life and tax protection are coming here, and we're seeing the numbers dramatically. And not everybody wants to live in a condo, and especially now. So we see this as a, a, a growth industry, and so we're beginning to scale up a, a single-family home business that we're hoping to be able to produce in pretty short order, you know, 150 to 200, you know, homes a year um, between buying existing properties and rehabbing them, and all on the luxury side price, you know, to sell between $4 million and $6 million right in that sweet spot. Wow. Well, I'm with you. I think that's the trend, I think, and that's why you are who you are. You have vision, and, uh, you know, I, and I just want to wish you... Happy Father's Day, and thank you so much, Don. I hope maybe I'll see you in Florida. Well, I look forward to it, Dottie. And just to say, you have been an inspiration. 
to so many of us, and one to me as well, all you've done in terms of trailblazing the industry and being a big advocate for equality of women as entrepreneurs and minorities. And so I want to tell you, it's just a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you, Don. Have a great weekend and stay safe. We'll be you right too. back. I am Real Estate. We'll be back with Stephen A. Myself and Gary Spring. On Tuesday, July 7th, all towns in New Jersey's 5th Congressional District will vote in the primary. Dr. Hector Castillo is the only candidate who is a seasoned politician, a successful businessman, and a skilled healthcare professional. Dr. Castillo understands the needs of people from all incomes and all backgrounds because he built his way up to the American dream and has experience in multiple industries. As an internist and ophthalmologist for 30 years, he will make the right healthcare decisions to lift New Jersey out of this pandemic. As a politician, he's built strategies on how to fix New Jersey's broken tax system and to provide proper health care for all. He cares about the people and can represent the rich diversity that New Jersey needs to make the right decisions in Congress. Dr. Castillo will stand with the people and lead New Jersey to greatness if we can get him through the primary. Vote Castillo for Congress 2020. Hi, this is Dr. Hector Castillo, and I approve this message. Paid for by Castillo for Congress 2020. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I can't make heads or tails of elder law or estate care. And I got to tell you, Mike Connors does. That's why I want you to get your questions asked from him every Thursday on my show, Kevin McCullough Radio. Just email your question to askmikeconnors at gmail.com or call 718-238-6500. Then listen to Mike's show Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on AM 570, The Mission and FM 102.3. And Sunday mornings starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. I've come from the doctor's clinic this morning, 28 staples out of my knee, and I am not taking painkillers. Why? Because I don't need to. I'm taking relief factor. Yes, it's a triple dose, but it doesn't have any negative side effects, and I am doing just fine. Thank you very much. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. That's truly remarkable to be liberated from your pain for less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Go right now. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. This is your opportunity to be the next success story. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. I'm Gladys Harmon, CEO of Douglas Selman. I'm here with Ace Waterstone Park, and I, I think I'm getting it right after all these years. Ace, okay. Oh, you're really good uh, now, Dottie. 
I'm Rose good. I mean, tongue. I had like years, like years and years and years. And no matter how many, and they would phonetically write it out for me. And I still didn't get it. It took me a, it took me a lot of years, but better late than never. Right. And Steven, exactly. I'm sorry if I call you Steve, I know you like to be called Steven. Okay. And Steven obviously is our legal eagle. And I just want to make reference to Don. As I said, I know him and he's probably one of the most brilliant businessmen. And I had, I really didn't know what he was going to say, but this is somebody who has vision because what he sees, and again, there's no lock on the future. Nobody, everyone just has to make an estimated guess. But I do see that trend. I see that a trend to Florida, and as he said, his business is now buying one family houses and 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 and, and building one family houses or converting them. And uh, because he's looking at less people will want to live in high buildings or buildings that are shared. And I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen to country clubs or um, pools because we know that the pool business is going off the, you know, buying people are buying pools off the wall. And uh, you have to take, you know, I, I, you have to take advantage of opportunity. I sat with some friends of mine. I have a friend who happens to be negative always. Okay. <laughs> She's like, this is horrible. This is so horrible. This is horrible. I can't deal with it. Well, you have to deal with it. It's what's going on, and there will be opportunities. You know, you just have to find them, uh, you know, and the world goes on. So I think that that was a very prudent advice uh, that he gave. I, I do think I see that trend happening. And I do, but I do, you know, I was interviewed about Manhattan. I do say that Manhattan is resilient. And you know, life is about, as I said, ups and downs and how you navigate them. So I do see Manhattan back. And Ace, if somebody wants to um, get a mortgage and they want to buy something in Florida, let's say, they can still call Citizen. I mean, I just want you to know if you're looking for a property in Florida, you can still get a mortgage through Citizen, uh, right? And Ace will connect you to the right people. Yes, definitely. Um, all 50 yeah. states, study, so... Yeah, so we, you know, Citizens Bank provides your mortgage needs no matter where, when, you know, it, it, wherever it might be. I just want you to know that. I also wanted to tell you, you know, somebody asked me, you know, how do I negotiate with a landlord? And um, I'm going to give you some tips for negotiating with a landlord. And I had some friends of mine call me, too. And, you know, don't start a fight. You know, remember some tips when you when you start to speak to your landlord. Okay, if you start off your first sentence by saying, "Listen, uh, I don't want to pay rent, or I want to pay less rent, or this and that," you you first somebody is going to shut down if you start with a negative sentence before you start. And I and 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 in 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 shows to come, I'm going to teach you some tips on negotiating because. Life is about negotiations. And if you're a great negotiator or a good, good yeah, you know, just to add on that negotiation, you know, Dottie, Dottie is right. That you got to come from a positive place. You know, people understand the new cycle. They understand what's going on. And, um, you know, it's a matter of being able to reach out and be effective to them. And, you know, it's interesting. So many times in real estate, we look at it as 
a, a zero-sum gain. You know, if the tenant wins and the landlord loses or vice versa. But, you know, we've had some negotiations recently for clients, and what's been successful is we realize what drives the situation and how can they figure out ways to work together where maybe a tenant is having a short-term problem, so they work with the landlord, have a temporary reduction, let's say, in rent, but then, you know, the tenant also maybe extends their lease and gives the landlord some additional security so that way, you know, they can actually say, look, I'm, I'm trading something over here and I'm getting something over there. And you need to look past the immediate, every penny more I pay comes at a loss to the tenant or every penny less that the landlord gets paid comes to a loss to the landlord. And that's really about trying to find, you know, a cooperative solution. And then also really finding out what motivates parties. Um, you know, you might have a landlord that's on the verge of a refinance and trying to make sure that they have the right kind of metrics to make the lending institution happy. And that's where, again, there's openness for dialogue. So that's some of the things that we're looking for. I just want to like give you a quick tip before I have Sherry on. I just, you know, so I called one of the landlords who I happen to know, who's, a, uh, who's one of my uh, friends is living in, and he said she started wrong. She she did the she she called me, and the first thing she said was, "You know, that I can stay in this apartment until August, whatever the date is." Okay. <laughs> Well, that's not how you start, and you don't threaten somebody. That's not the way you negotiate. Uh, it doesn't usually work, okay? Uh, you want to be polite. You want to be respectful. You want, and you know, hopefully you want to work, you know, on your track record. Obviously, you have a better chance if you have a good track record. If you have a bad track record, well, then I don't know why the landlord would help you out. And if you can't, and I'll give you this quick tip. I learned this years ago when I was learning really negotiating skills. If you never get a person to say the word no, if you hear somebody who's going, you think they're going to say no, stop the conversation and say, you know what, let's think about it and let's talk tomorrow or over the weekend or something of that nature. Because a lot of times once somebody says no, it's like their pride because they said no. So if you see it's not going your way and you think that you're going to get a no, I would suggest you say, you know what, let's both think about it and let's, you know, let's speak in a few days and see if we can come up with something really amicable. Um, because, and, and as, as far as I said, everything, you know, whether you're buying something, whether you're negotiating a sale of a house, whether you're trying to work with your children on doing better in school or things of that nature, uh, negotiating is a skill that really, I don't care who you are, what business you are, if you're in no business, um, that is invaluable. Now, I believe we have Sherry's uh, doctors. Sherry, spray on yeah, the phone. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Daddy? Hang in there. It's been a very busy week for me. I mean, it was a nonstop week to the point that I can't even tell you. And uh, I did a few TV things that didn't work right. My house echoed. I mean, really. But you know what? What do they say? The show must go on. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yep, yeah, right. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, I want to ask you a question because I, I, I was in town during the week and I see a lot of people who are still have masks and things of that nature. But I do see a lot of people who did not have masks. 
and who were just kind of always open and, you know, and being cooped up and being that we really in the Northeast, we had pretty bad weather. In May, I remember, I think we had a snowstorm. So now you have nice weather. So it's really inviting for people um, and as, as, you know, an opportunity now that we're opening up. So uh, if you have clients that you're telling, you know, just let's, let's slow it down and be safe and try to, like, be a little careful, uh, what are your clients, you know, telling you? Well, I, of course I'm telling them they have to be safe, especially a lot of my clients are, are in Manhattan. Um, but the wearing the mask is also for the respect of the next person. It's not just to protect yourself. It's to protect the next person. Nobody knows who's a carrier versus who, you know, and is contagious versus someone who's completely symptom-free. So because of that uncertainty, you need to wear a mask because you don't want to be spreading, you know, the virus if you're a, a carrier. Right, right. You know, I'm on the board and I had, uh, oh, I got, I had so many board meetings, but I'm on the board of a university and they're now reopening and they were going through all of the state mandates of reopening a college where, where, where kids dorm. And obviously they think there's going to be a decrease in how many kids dorm. They're looking at the possibility that people did remote for the last couple of months, so they might say, hey, you know what, let's continue doing remote, and maybe people lost their jobs so their parents can't afford it. So they're, they're dealing with the whole thing, and they have to, they were telling me that they have to test people almost every day. They have to have a tracking system in place so that if someone does get the virus, that they know, they have to be able to track who that right. person was around. I mean, a, and I, okay, and they were saying that, you know, a lot of the, you know, if the professors or the people that are teaching are in a category that's a risk, they have to give them the opportunity to do remote. I mean, it's, it's really, when I was listening to what they have to go through to open up, and of course the dining rooms have to have social distancing, it's really a change, and it's really difficult to do all these things. So I just think, you know, whether it's restaurants, whether it's small businesses, that we really have to support, support our local industries. I, uh, I mean, I agree. Go so I mean, it's, it's all yeah. a balance act. We have to get the economy going and we have to do it as safely as possible. Yeah. And, but the good news is, we're better than we were. We're we're working towards reopening, but it's not going to just open up and be back to the way it was before. It's going to be a, a slow process. So I think we have a break. Okay, I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about this and how the city and how how states are reopening. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. 
COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business Recovery Plan should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies with everything in our toolkit working for you digital audio mobile even audience engaging contests and promotions contact salem surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan learn more by logging on to surroundnewyork.com connecting you with new customers Hi, this is Joe Piscopo with Everyday Heroes. What is America to me? This pandemic has been very tough on all of us. It's put a strain on our health, our psychological well-being, our finances and families. It's also brought out some of the best in people. We have seen countless examples of businesses and individuals going above and beyond the call of duty to selflessly help their neighbors. If you know someone who fits the bill, let us know. Tell us their stories. Tell us who deserves to be recognized. And we just might feature them on our show. Leave Frankie Five Burrows a message, 816 Morano 816-866-7266. Tell us which everyday hero deserves some special recognition. You can also reach us online at am970theanswer.com. But especially the people that's America. I'm Joe Piscopo with Everyday Heroes on AM 970, The Answer. Their names are legendary. Dershowitz, Bennett, Lanier, and Stevenson. Attorneys who are known because of their winning ways in the courtroom. And this weekend on Champions of Justice, legendary Tom Girardi interviews the author who wrote their secrets down in his new book, Turning Points at Trial. You'll be fascinated by Shane Reed and learn the art of persuasion. Tune in, Champions of Justice, Sunday mornings at 10, here on AM 970, The Answer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. All right. We're back, and please join in. We're just going to talk now. You know, we're, we're reopening all over the country. We're starting to reopen. And if you're selling your home, just want to give you some quick suggestions. And then, of course, I promised you in the show that we would talk about what it means to to buy as is, and I'll let Steve handle that. But uh, when you, we're, as we reopen, if you're a seller, if, uh, you should limit towards and require buyers to wear protective coverings. Okay, so you should require when a buyer walks in, they should wear a mask, and they should put on. You know, you can leave those little booties, or your real estate agent can get to them, and uh, not the touched many things. And if you want to leave gloves around, you certainly can. Um, social distancing, okay, uh, space home visits, 
you know, apart, like don't have them back to back, you know, kind of if you have one, a couple or people coming in for showing, then make the next showing maybe an hour after that. Don't try to let more than one, you know, I don't suggest anybody have open houses where everybody can come in at one time. We have to still be very careful. Obviously, if you're in an apartment building, the building is going to dictate how that goes. And uh, you'll have to go by their rules. Uh, you you know, and they're, they're actually, I don't know if any of you heard this, but there's a company and it's called the International International Wellbeing Building Institute. And they are launching a health safety rating to reflect how well offices, restaurants, hotels, retail shops, and other spaces reduce occupants' risk of infection. That's a new business. And they're going to be, get, you know, they're going to be launching a certification to, to uh, these businesses that really they go in and they'll rate how safe it is and, you know, if they have all the things in place and all the uh, waste disposals right and touchless navigation. So you're seeing those things, and we don't have them quite yet, but I have a feeling that down the road you'll be able to know, you know, especially in in the buildings, how well they've done there. Steve, any or Ace, any Sherry, any tips that you have for anybody showing their properties, whether it be commercial, residential? I think there's a number of tips that you want to have. First off, you want to have good communication with your real estate agent. You want to make sure that the property is kept in the best way possible. So if you're going to also have what I would say viewings in a way in which people are not close together in the same way traditionally, you want to think about security, right? You have people who you don't necessarily know coming into your home. So one, from a protection point of view, have small valuables put away. I would say declutter as much as possible, which is already a good tip when you're looking to sell, but even more important, just to make sure things are safeguarded. Um, and, and also to set expectations in advance. There is a balance test, but also people are aware of what's going on. Um, the opportunity to inspect the property, and this ties in with the ads, which I know we're going to get to in a couple of minutes. Right. Um, and also safeguarding the property from both a physical and security point of view and also the health, safety, and welfare of people. Okay, so while we're talking about we said that I said earlier on the show that we would have discussed this. First of all, you should have a pre, and we can talk about that next week. I don't know how we have that much time today, but you should have a home inspection, which we'll talk about next week a little bit more, but you should always have the property inspected by a home inspection company. But when Steve, when you read in the paper or the agent tells you, oh, this listing is as is, would you make clear to the to our audience, our listening audience, uh, or if you're streaming us, what that exactly means when it says as is? Absolutely. And I think this is one of the most misconstrued and also abused terms um, in, in the market. And what happens is the first and most important thing is the way people define as is, is inconsistent. And, you, and it also depends on what side of the table they're on. So one way to look at it is with as is, is this is what you're going to get. This is it. We make no promises, no representation. You're going to get, if you're buying a condo or a co-op, you are basically buying 
a, a, a box of sorts. Uh, obviously, it's a home, and then whatever it is in there, it is. Now, that doesn't fully make sense because what if when the seller moves out, they damage the place? So it's not going to be as is when the closing is not just whatever it is, it is good luck. Um, so there's all sorts of modifications and qualifiers to it. What it typically means, and, and if you take a look at an apartment, I would split it up into three categories. First off, there are things that the building is responsible for. Water pressure, for example. How much electricity is delivered to the apartment. Those are beyond the scope and control of the homeowner. So that is something that's really on the building. And if it is not really up to standards, that's something that's on the building to fix. And typically, the, the standard we have is the, uh, the seller is obliged to notify the building to try to have them fix it, but not necessarily a condition of closing. Now, does that mean we can't alter that in the contract? Of course we can alter that in the contract. Does that mean that there can be certain things that cause a delay? Like, for example, it's one thing if the water pressure is a little bit light for your shower. It's another thing if there's no gas delivered to your cooking stove. So it does depend a little bit on building systems. Part two are appliances. The refrigerator, a dishwasher, maybe an air conditioning unit in a window. The typical standard is that it's working. Now, working is a big range. Does it mean brand new out of the box working or working in an okay condition for something that's 10 years old? So it's really important to understand that. So if you're buying an apartment and the air conditioner turns on, the fan goes, and there's some cold air, but it takes three hours to cool down an apartment instead of 20 minutes with a brand new unit, that would satisfy the working standard. So it's very important to look at these items and also understand there's a seasonality. You can test that air conditioner in June. You're not going to be able to test it in January. So depending upon the time of year, that can change things. The I want to add part, something to that. Oh, sure. But like on a residential home, like it's one thing on a building because the building, as you said, is responsible for a lot of stuff that's out of the homeowner's control. Well, you know, but in a residential home, if you buy a house as is and the roof is really bad and you need a new roof and the electrical is not up to code and it's like, you know, some 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 guy, they did it that they, you know, hired that wasn't a licensed electrician and it's dangerous. And if there's leaks and there's water that's coming through, I mean. As is means what you get is what you see. And so I would still suggest somebody has an engineer's report so that they know the amount of money it's going to cost to fix it. Because obviously, if you get an as-is house or an apartment, it should be cheaper than something that's, you know, taken care of. But I think it's a lot worse on a residential home than the building because, you know, most buildings are required to do a lot of that. You know, we're in a home, you know, you could really have everything falling apart. You could have, you know, you could have termites. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. You have a much bigger risk in a house. I guess I can make two last points on that, just just to finish up from before. Sure. The the third part on the as-is are sort of the surfaces. Are there gouges in the wood floor? Are there cracked ceramic tiles maybe in the bathroom? Are there stains in marble? or maybe the doors don't quite close well, or windows opening, locking, and hold position. That is typically, when agents refer to as is, that is typically 
as is as of the day you go into contract. And this is where some of the confusion lies. And so, for example, if somebody has a nice furnished room with a nice area rug, you know, like a Persian rug right in the middle, right. and you don't look underneath and there are scratches under there and gouges, generally speaking, again, you could alter it in the contract, but generally speaking, unless if you've looked there, um, you're going to be stuck with that as a buyer. Now, if when the seller moves out, they damage the floor, different story. That's a change in condition beyond reasonable wear and tear. But that's where a lot of disputes come up. So keep that in mind. And, and the right. last point as I just want to mention. That. Right, go ahead. The last Sorry, point I just want to mention about home inspectors or engineers, not all of them are created equal. You mentioned a great point about having a licensed electrician and other contractors. The really good inspectors not only take photos, but they literally, I've seen some of them, they will go to the local buildings department, they will actually match up the permits with the work, and they will even see the serial numbers. Like, I had a concern once about an, a new developer, and certain things didn't seem right. And I had the right. inspector look up the model number of the boilers, and it turned out for this new construction, he bought boilers that were like five years old instead of brand new, and he could look by the serial number They're when it was manufactured. Here. Get out of here. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't, that really would never, I would not even think of that. Now, that's the importance of using an attorney also because that, you know, I'm in the business and, you know, that's not the norm. So I just, but like as Stephen and I'm saying, no matter what you're buying, especially if it's residential, have, deal with a real estate attorney, deal with, Someone like Ace financially have that pre-approval because that's going to make a difference in your interest rate and that can save you thousands. And use a good real estate broker, obviously. Someone from Douglas Elliman. Not that there's not other good brokers, but use a broker. Don't try to do this on your own. Use somebody. Use the best. And as we've always tell you, we think we have the best team. Putting the right team together when you're purchasing something or selling something will make your experience the best it can be and get you the top dollar. I heard it's going to be a great weekend, so enjoy the nice weather because I think it's going to rain at the beginning of the week. Enjoy the nice weather, stay safe, and we'll be back next week. Signing off, Daddy Herman, be back next Bye, week. Bye, Daddy. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.